Father, thank you for today. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word's alive and is powerful, Lord, that it hasn't lost an ounce of power. Uh, but God, that the word still has the ability to transform and change our lives. And Lord, we just believe that today is a day of transformation. God, we just believe today in Jesus' name that you would expose any lie of the enemy, God, and that you would reveal your truth. And Lord, that, that we would have the courage to just walk in that truth today. And so Holy Spirit, will you come with your anointing? Will you come and just teach as you can do? And uh, God, and that's what you do best. You teach us. You guide us in all truth. And so, Lord, thank you just for your presence, your anointing, and just revelation in the house today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Listen, as we begin this morning, I want to start off maybe in a a unique way. I want to actually want to uh, give you guys a sentence and just ask you guys to throw some words at me. And if you can, just uh, there's no right, no wrong answer, but just fill in the blank. But I have to say this with a one-word answer. Everybody say one word. I don't want anybody trying to preach up here on me. All right, so anyways, so, so listen, if you can, fill this out. The Christmas story is a story of hope, hope love. All right, you hush. You already know. Someone, somebody else help me out. Story of Jesus. All right, story of, give me one more. Grace. There we go. Everybody says, I, done, I done said that. You're talking all the same time. You got to work with me here, right? Anyways, so li- listen, the other day, that didn't work as well as I'd hoped. Anyways, so the, the other day I sent out a text and, um, and asking people, hey, hey, how would you fill in this? The Christmas story is a story of, and, uh, this is some of the answers that I got. That Christmas is a story of hope. That's a story of peace, of joy. It's a story of love, of redemption, of grace, a story of truth, a story of purpose, wonder, story of sacrifice, a story of humility, a story of vulnerability, a story of brilliance, and a story of promise. And, and uh, you know, in my opinion, all those words and the ones you said, man, they're accurate. Amen? That they're, they're, they're right. And in fact, how could we not, you know, say that the birth of Jesus didn't bring hope? How could we say it didn't bring joy, that it didn't bring purpose, that it didn't bring love, right? Uh, obviously, we have Bible to back all of that up. But uh, even in this sense, how could we not say that the, the birth of the Son of God, the incarnation, that God becoming a man, that that wasn't full of brilliance? That that wasn't full of wonder. Amen? Is that not so true? So, so listen though, this morning I, I want to add another word to our list. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit that this word isn't a word that we typically think about during the Christmas season. Alright? So, so here's what I want to tell you today. That I believe that the Christmas story is a story of rejection. That the Christmas story is a story of rejection. And, uh, you know, some of the looks you guys are giving me right now looks very much like my wife when I said that statement to her. Um, the, the other day, I, I, I walked out of our bedroom. I've been studying for two days about this. Two days, right? And, and I come out there, and, I, and I, Jen's sitting in the chair, and I look at her and I say, The Christmas story is a story of rejection. And she just looks up at me and goes, You're kidding me, right? <laughs> and uh, so, so li- listen... Um, <laughs> I know this sounds like I'm, I am picking the most negative thing I can pick to talk about. I know that because that's what Jen told me. And so then uh, she said, man, are you picking? The... So <laughs> you're good. But, but listen, but honestly, um, throughout the week, man, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't shake that statement. I don't know if you've ever been there. It, it's, like, it's like when, when I'll compare it to this. When you're in a car and you got your GPS rolling and you know, you're, you know the destination that you want to go to uh, and you don't want to take the turn that it's telling you to take. And so you kind of keep going and you go, nope, I got to, I want to ignore that. I want to ignore that. I want to ignore that. And, and I kept, I kept going, God, that's not what I want to talk about. That's not one. That doesn't sound too Christmassy, right? And, uh, and anyways, if you know me, I'm not really that kind of fellow anyways. But, but, uh, I just felt like the Lord kept rerouting me to this statement that, that man, that the Christmas story is a story of rejection. And I'll just say, after a while, you got to quit beating your head against a tree and go, okay, God, I'll go with it. And that's kind of where we're at today. All right. 
So, so listen, I know it's true that most of the time when we think about Jesus being rejected, we, we, mo- we most of the time we think about that at the end of his life, not necessarily at the beginning of his life. Isn't that so true? It's like we talk about that at Easter, right? Not Christmas. It's like we talk about him standing before Pilate, uh, with a crowd screaming, crucify him. We, we, uh, you know, we talk about the people, uh, beating him, mocking him, and ultimately crucifying him. It's easy to look and go, hey, when all that's happening, it's really easy to feel rejected. Right? So it makes sense. And then when Easter rolls around, of course, we read scriptures like this in Isaiah 53.3, where it says that he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But I guess the question I have this morning was, was that, at the end of his life, was that really the only time that Jesus was ever rejected? The answer is no. And, uh, you know, if we're, if we're honest, if we take a step back and we, and we look at, at, at just the Gospels, right, we see that Jesus' whole life was one of rejection in many ways. And in fact, you look and you go, if I, if I look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I see this, that really his life was one big mixed bag of just love and hate. Is that not true? That's like, you, you know, you look and you see that some people adored him while others abhorred him. You, you look and you go, some people worshipped him while others scorned him. Some people accepted him while others rejected him. And, and, and even if you look, you go, was that, was that not even the case with his closest friends? Eleven of them accepted him as far as embracing him and everything he said. And then you had that one that betrayed him. So once again, when you look at his whole life, you see that it's once again a mix of uh, men that's just really clear, those that were for him and those who were against him. Today, I want to give you an example of those polar opposites, and I'm going to tell you what that means for us. All right? Have you found Matthew chapter 2? All right, two of you. That's good. Matthew chapter 2. Starting off verse 1, it says this. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And then it says, Where is he? That's what they said when they came to Herod. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now understand that that question that they're asking, I won't go into it, but that was the title that Herod went by, by the way, right? And it's what the Romans called him, not the Jews, okay? Anyway, so it says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? It says, for we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. To kind of give you an understanding of what that means, they were saying that we have come to fall upon our knees and touch the ground with our foreheads as an expression of our profound reverence. They're saying, look, we've come to accept him. And then it goes on and it says this. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was what? Come on, say it. He was what? He was troubled. And notice it doesn't just say Herod, but all of Jerusalem with him. And that actually means that we're troubled there. It actually means that the news caused an inward commotion in their hearts, that it took away the calmness of their mind, that it struck their hearts with fear, that it agitated them, and it made them anxious. In other words, all those emotions, they said this, I reject him. Are you with me? So here's these guys came in and said, let's worship him. We accept him. And then you have these other guys that are rejecting him. So let's keep reading and we'll see ultimately how they did both. Look at verse 7. It says, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And then some verse 7. Verse 8 says, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Everybody say, that's a lie. 
Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had sent in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child. Notice it's not, it's not a baby Jesus. Jesus is probably somewhere closer, in between one and two years old at this time. And it says that the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down, put their forehead on the ground, right? And in reverence, they worshiped him. And it says, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know, we know that that right there, if I can just say it this way, through their gifts and through their worship, they were expressing their acceptance of him, that here they are, they're giving him a, they're giving him gifts, this, this small child, gifts that were weighed, uh, basically were worthy of a king, worthy of a priest, and worthy of someone who we know with myrrh that was going to suffer. So it was, a, it was gifts of, of worship, gifts of honor. And then it says in verse 12, it says, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And verse 16 says, then Herod, when, uh, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem. And that included one of his own kids, by the way. And in all the districts from two years old and under. So needless to say, Here's the, uh, the wise men express their acceptance of him through worship. And, and here's Herod who's expressing his rejection of the real king of the Jews by trying to kill him. Are you guys getting the picture? So I, I think, though, if we can kind of fast forward, I think that we would be foolish to believe that the possibility of being rejected uh, caught Jesus off guard. In fact, I want to show you a verse that I believe that he knew because he is the Son of God. He is the Word of God that he obviously knew before he ever entered into Mary's womb. Look at Psalms 118.22. It says, The stone which the builders, what? Rejected. That means refused, despised, has become the chief cornerstone. So I believe that he knew exactly what he was getting himself into before the wise men ever showed up on Herod's doorstep. I think he knew, right? And then if we can fast forward and you can kind of see what Jesus was expecting uh, to happen in his life. Look at this in Mark 8. This is him talking to his disciples. Mark 8, 31. It says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be what? Rejected. It means disapproved of by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, man, there's the good news. Raise again, all right? Rise again. Watch this. All right, so here's people, right? And if that wasn't enough, fast forward again to where he's hanging on the cross, Mark 15, 34. We all know the verse. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And understand that in the Greek, it actually means forsaken, means rejected. That he's saying this in essence. He's saying, my God, my God, even you, even you, my father has rejected me. Are y'all hearing me today? So all in all, we see that this rejection at the beginning of Jesus' life, we see it at the middle of Jesus' life, and we see it at the end of Jesus' life. So if you kind of get all this in mind, here's kind of the direction we're going today. Um, I think it's really easy for us to understand why the wise men would worship Jesus. He's pretty amazing, right? It, it's easy. And, but have we ever stopped to ask ourselves, not why do people reject Jesus, but we have, to, have we ever stopped to ask ourselves this, why did Jesus need to be rejected. Why did Jesus need to be rejected? And, and you may think, well, that's kind of weird. Why would you say the word need? Because the Bible makes it really clear that everything that Jesus endured, it was for our benefit. Is that true? If you don't believe me, let me show you some verses. The Bible says there that he was wounded for our 
transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities, that by his stripes we are healed, that he was tempted as we are so that he could sympathize with who? With us. Are you guys seeing the picture here? So let's take this step further. What would you think if I told you that Jesus endured rejection because he was trying to reach our greatest need? That he was trying to reach our greatest, don't miss that, our greatest need. And the reason I say that is because there's people who are way smarter than me. Those people that got PhDs attached to their last name. I don't have one of those, right? But they say, and this is, watch this, you got to get this. This is from believers and from unbelievers. So they, so they agree on this, okay? That they say this, that all their researching and all their studying has proven out that the core need of every single person, in spite of their color, in spite of their, you know, religion, in spite of their race, beside their, uh, their age, their economical status, their geographical thing, that this is the one thing that connects every human being. They say that our greatest need is this, is to belong. And they say our greatest fear is that we won't. Is that not crazy? That the greatest need that we have as humans is to belong, and our greatest fear is that we won't. That we won't what? That we won't fit in, that we won't be noticed, that we won't you know, be known, that we won't be cared for, that we won't be accepted, that we won't be loved. Is that not so true? Listen, the truth is, is I think if, if you and I would be willing to admit it, if we just kind of look back at our life and evaluate how many ever years we've been alive, some of our biggest mistakes and some of the things we regret the most, we did it because we were just trying to belong. We were trying to be noticed. We were trying to fit in. We were trying to be loved. We were trying to be cared for. We were trying, and and, and man, it, it backfired in our face. Is that not true? Listen, over the years, you know, I have one of those jobs where people like to come confess their sin. I'm not a priest. I don't know why it works that way. But anyways, but they try to come and confess their sin, just in counseling, whatever. And over the years, I've had people tell me, look, Pastor, I've lied. I've cheated. Man, I've stolen things. Man, I've altered my personality. I've changed my appearance. I've changed the way I talk. I've changed my group of friends. Man, Pastor, I've had, I've had sex outside of marriage. I've, I've had, get that, outside of marriage, meaning I was married, but I still went and had sex with somebody else that I had sex before marriage. Or maybe, Pastor, I, man, I, I, I just let someone of the same sex have their way with me. Are you with me? That I participate in homosexual activities. That, that pastor, I've, I've, uh, man, I've gotten drunk. I've gotten high. Man, pastor, I've, I joined a gang. We don't have that, a lot of that here. I realize that. But, I, but I've had that pastor, I, I joined a gang. Pastor, I, I, uh, man, I, I married somebody I knew I shouldn't have married. I knew I shouldn't have married, but I still married them. And, and listen, there are hundreds of things that are big and small. But at the end of the day, the reason for all of that is they were just saying this. Pastor, I was just trying to belong to something or someone. That's it. Are you hearing me today? See, and the, and the crazy part is, is when we do that, we don't really think about the lasting consequences. We don't. We, we, nor do in the moment do we think about, man, this is what I'm compromising, what I believe to be right and wrong. At the end of the day, we just want to meet our greatest, greatest need. We just want to belong. So true, right? Let, let me even tell you a story, and this may seem super far-fetched, but what I'm about to tell you is, Completely accurate, completely true, and it, but it's an extreme example of what happens to someone with, that they don't get their greatest need met, okay? Many years ago, I was down in, I say that like I'm just like super old, that's awesome. Many, 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 many years ago, four scores and seven years ago. <coughs> 
Anyways, I was with the ministry team, and we were down, uh, in, down in New York City, kind of going to different parks, doing street evangelism or witnessing. And, uh, and while we were doing that, I remember some of our team members went to this guy, and they tried to spark up a conversation with him, right? And, and, and it looked like the guy from initially was just being rude and just ignoring them. If you ever try to do uh, witnessing in New York City, I guarantee you that's happened at some point. You're just like, my God, what's wrong with you people? And so anyways, it, but, but just totally... Like, like nobody was home, just ignored them. And so they tried to, again, to engage him in conversation. And the guy kind of looked confused, and he looked just almost like an expression of being in shock. And, and he just said this. He went, you can see me? And, and now, we're, and now we're, I mean, this guy's homeless, by the way. I think I left that out. This is a homeless guy. And he goes, you can see me? And, and our guys just kind of like looked at each other, like thinking, like, this guy's nuts, right? And so basically they were like, of course we can see you. And then he began to talk about this. He said basically that it had been so long since anyone talked to him. That, and then he began to, basically because it had been so long since someone talked to him, he began to think that he was invisible, literally invisible. Like he was living, but no one could see him. He was an invisible man, right? And, and, and so then he began to talk about how basically how no one talked to him. No one paid him any attention. No one even looked in his direction. If they did, it was like they were looking through him. And he thought that the only logical reason that that would ever happen to a human being is because somehow, some way, he became invisible. Kind of crazy, huh? But, but you, you know, I know that's some, kind of a weird example, but that shows you what happens when someone doesn't have just the core need met in their life of what can happen to them in their psyche. Yes? So kind of change gears here. I, I can't tell you how many people over the years that have come to me and said, hey, look, I, uh, I, I struggle with belonging, or maybe we'll use a better word, that, that I struggle with rejection. Okay, it's a much better word. I struggle, struggle with rejection. And the truth is, is, is for years and years and years, people would come talk to me and I'd go, hey, I, I'm with you. I can relate. <laughs> right? And, and it's amazing how long that even I spent just it, it, even being, you know, being saved, being a Christian, of just the fear of rejection and living in that. And, and it's amazing how uh, rejection manifests itself, how it reveals itself. Are, are you all with me today? You Okay. You know, it, it could be in little things like this. I send a text to a friend. They don't respond back. I feel rejected. You know, w- walking by somebody, you know, and saying, hey, how you doing? And they don't respond. You feel rejected. I, you know, for years I didn't realize that, that the reason that kept happening to me is because I talked really low and they didn't hear me. And I just felt like I was rejected. And I can't tell you how many years of even being married, I'm thinking, man, you, you know, is there going to be some point Jen just goes, hey, I don't love you anymore? Because that fear, right? And, and, and I go, you know, whatever, because of, it was real easy to say, well, you know, things happen uh, with my family, and that's kind of why things kind of track the way they do. In other words, that's why I kind of struggle the way I do. And, and you know, it could be, uh, even with friends, I go, man, I'm super loyal to these people, and I don't know if, they, they get it, if they, they're giving it back. And so what happens is, I'm not saying this for me, but what happens a lot of times when people wrestle with the fear of rejection, they say, you know what, I'm going to reject you before you reject me. And so they all make it just throw up a wall, shut it down, then move on. And they don't realize that the motivation there is, 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 is basically they're just afraid to get hurt. Right? So, so you know, I, I thought for years, okay, well, well, maybe just something's wrong with me. Like I, I remember showing up to ministry school 
we, we have basically like a commissioning service, right? Where, where they basically introduce the whole new crew to the church. Here's the new people, right? And I was up on the platform, and, and some former students came and prayed over us all. And I, I'd only been a Christian for really, I'm talking like two months, okay? And, and so I was, you know... My hair was shaved like up under here, and it was really long, like down to here off the top. And I, and I would braid it and stuff. Don't tell nobody. And I, and I had a doll chain, and I had like uh, uh, I'd wear like thirty eight size forty pants. The only problem was is I really wore a size thirty pants. You know, I, was, I weighed about a buck thirty eight. You know, way back in the day. And, and I remember, anyways, just not looking like that church. Like I didn't look like them. I didn't talk like them. I didn't act like them. And I was still okay with that. I'm still all right with that. But, but I had three people on that commissioning service night come pray for me. It was almost like they, they, they decided what they were going to pray together in the back before they came. But literally, one person would pray, then they'd move on to the next and the next. And I had three people say this. God, I know he's weird. <laughs> but, Lord, you can use weird people. But, but when someone's wrestling with rejection, what does that do to them? Right? The, the fact is, I look back now, and I think they were weird. That's truth. Strange people. Anyway, so, but anyways, you, you guys kind of get the point. So, you, you know, and then I think there's this thing of even this. Let me add this. That, that there's a fear in so many people, man, if I get saved, if I go completely on fire for Jesus, then am I going to be rejected? Right? That's, man, that holds so many people back. So, anyways, I, I, I've just learned this, okay? That every single person, if they want to admit it or not, has struggled with a fear of rejection at some point in their life. But there's a reason why. It has nothing to do with family. has nothing to do with the words that people have said over them. I'm not saying that those things can't contribute because they can. But the reason that people feel rejected in life is, uh, is simply this. It's because every one of us were born rejected. Every one of us were born as orphans. Every one of us were born not belonging. Let me show you. There's a lot of verses we go to, but I'm going to show you just one. Isaiah 59.2. It says, your iniquities have separated you from God. Somebody say separated. If we wanted to belabor the point here, let me maybe stop here. What I'm trying to do today is, to, is, is this, is through the word of God to remove all the lies that we've believed. Plain and simple. Okay? Because we all want to say it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. It's because of this. Maybe something, man, maybe I'm just messed up, screwed up, whatever. And, uh, you, you know, and all that's... I'm sure we could all grow, okay? But that's not the reason you feel the way you feel. All right? The reason you feel the way you feel is because that's the way you were born. Are you all hearing me? Yes. And the reason is, is, once again, if I could belabor the point, if I want to go all the way back to Genesis 3 to talk about Adam, right? Watch this. That, here's Adam that he, that he sends. What's the first thing they do is they felt shame, and they put, and they put uh, basically fig leaves on. Do you all realize that it was just Adam and Eve? Like they hadn't seen each other before. Are you following me? But, but watch this. Because of that sin, it opened up rejection. Immediately, they tried to uh, basically build up walls and cover themselves and protect themselves from rejection. Are you following me? So, so from Adam's sin, and guess what? Our sin, because we were born with the sin nature, we were born in a rejected spot from God. And it's not that God's mean and he, and he like, oh, I reject him. It's because he, guess what? He's a holy God. He had to reject us. Now, I think most people think in their mind, they think, well, that's messed up. It's only messed up if he didn't do something about it. 
Are you hearing me? It's not like he left us in that spot, right? So watch this. Here's an awesome verse. Ephesians 2.14. It says, For he himself, responsibility, right, has broken down the middle wall of what? Separation. That To understand today, if you can kind of tie this in, that everything happened to Jesus for a reason, to understand that Jesus came to, to destroy the effects of sin. Sin itself in our life, but also the effects, everything that came with it, he came to destroy that as well. Listen to this. From the moment that the innkeeper said there's no room in the inn, we've all heard that, to Herod ordering his men to kill every child under two years old, to the Pharisees and scribes continually trying to trick and deceive Jesus to have him killed, to Judas Iscariot betraying him with a kiss, to those 3,600 soldiers arresting him, to his disciples fleeing from him at that moment, to the Jews uh, choosing to release Barabbas, a no murder and thief, right, instead of him, to the crowd screaming, crucify him, to the Roman soldiers mocking him, even to the guy that's a thief on the cross, just basically making fun of Jesus as well. All of that was what? Rejection, right? And, and, then if, and, then, and then it ends in this big crescendo with what? The father turning his back on him. There is no greater rejection. <laughs> you guys hear me? And, and the reason is, is because all of that, he said, let me put myself in these people's shoes. All of that, right? Once again, he said, I'm going to come, I'm going to walk where you walk, and I'm going to endure what you've endured. And, and, but I want you to know today that all that was for a reason. All of it had intentionality attached to it. All of that was part of the master plan. In, in fact, here's the statement. If you don't hear anything else today, this is the one statement that I couldn't get my GPS away from this week, that I couldn't get away. It just, man, I'm like, it's, it's so simple, and I don't really want to talk about it, but sometimes we, we need simple. Sometimes the simple thing helps us the most. But here's the one statement I couldn't get away from. That Jesus had to be rejected so that we could be accepted. That simple. That Jesus had to be rejected so that we could be accepted. And if you want to take it to a theological viewpoint, that, that Jesus had to be rejected by the Father so that we could be accepted by the Father. Yes? That's part of, if, if you're a, a Bible scholar here, that's what propitiation is all about. That's where him taking, taking all is our substitute. In fact, listen to these two uh, verses. Same verse, two different translations. It's Ephesians 1.6. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Man, is it not his grace that came and saved us? Through your saved by grace, right? It says, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1.6 in the New Living Translation says it this way. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong. To his dear son. Here's the point that I'm trying to make to you today. That the moment that you and I made Jesus Christ the Lord of our, uh, Lord of our lives, our Lord and Savior, at that moment we cease to be orphans. Listen, that, that we now all have a father. We're all sons and daughters of the living God. Listen, because of Jesus we belong. Are y'all hearing me with that? We belong. So, so we don't have to live in some spot that everybody rejects me. I, can, I, can I be honest with y'all? It is, it is draining to be around people that are constantly looking for, for reasons of people rejecting them. Am I saying that right? That, that it's almost like I go into this conversation, I go into this conversation, I go into this conversation looking to be rejected. Looking for it, right? Every relationship I go to, I look to be rejected. Well, why is that? The reason is because you don't know what Jesus has done for you. You don't know. 
right? Because, because there's something about when you realize at the end of the day that you have a home, that you've got a seat at the table, that you fit in, that you're accepted, that you're known, that you're cared for, that you're loved, and that we are His, it kind of changes how we feel. We live different, right? I, I can tell you the distinct difference of when, of years and years and years of struggling to the point where I finally got a revelation of what we're talking about and then how I begin to live after that. Not saying that every day is great. I have those moments just like you. But guess what? But something significantly changed for me. And, and, and so what happened was is I began to just be more, I'm me. Are, are y'all following me? Am I making any sense to you guys today? Yes. Let me give you the verse that, Basically, help me walk this road. It's Isaiah 41, 9 to 10. It's what Jesus used to kind of open my eyes. He said this. He said, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. Got that. God noticed you. He said this. You are my servant, and I have chosen you and have not what? Have not rejected you. So at the end of the day, and we'll read in a minute, if God hasn't rejected you, what does it matter what somebody else does? You guys don't have this. I'm going to, give me a second. I'm going to go to a... I'm going to read you a quote, actually, that I didn't throw in here that I should have. Here we go. This is Leonard Ravenhill. He said this. He's talking about basically Jesus. And he said, basically, and there's no room for him in the end. He got a bit older. There was no room in his family. His family turned on him. He went to the temple. No room in the temple. The temple turned on him. And when he died, there was no room to bury him. He died outside the city. He said, well, why in God's name do you expect to be accepted everywhere? How is it that the world couldn't get along with the holiest man that ever lived and could get along with you and me? Good point, huh? That here we are, we're thinking, man, that everybody should love and accept me, but yet at the end of the day, they didn't love and accept Jesus. Y'all follow me? So listen, at the end of the day, let's go back and read this. That I've chosen you and not rejected you. And verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Love that verse. Love that verse. I cannot tell you. Let, let me maybe get real practical, okay? There's something to be said about what the Bible says in Romans 10, 17. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I don't know how many times I have prayed that scripture. And I've said it out of my mouth. Father, I thank you that you have chosen me and not rejected me. I didn't say this. God, will you please choose me? Will you please accept me? I didn't say that. I didn't beg. I just said, God, I thank you that you've chosen me and you did not reject me. And here's what the Bible says, that faith comes by hearing. So as I'm speaking that word, even in a puberty voice there, I'm speaking that word. What happens is, is that thing comes, and I'm hearing it, and it begins to change the way I see myself, and it builds faith in me. Let me, let me give you something real practical, and this isn't some weird stuff. But if I simply said this, hey, uh, when you think of the word dog, what do you think of? Most of you guys didn't spell <laughs> Me too. He went like this. Me too. I mean, you, you, most of you don't spell out D-O-G. You picture some dog. Right? There's an image that's attached to it. Are you following me? And maybe it was your dog, maybe it was a dog from your childhood, whatever. But at the end of the day, listen, the Word of God has the ability to create images. Because there's life and death in the power of the tongue. As I speak what God has said about me, it releases an image of the way God sees me in my heart. And faith begins to explode in me, and I see myself the way God sees me. So, if, so listen, if I, if for all you guys said, man, I need to learn how to pray. Well, there is no better thing to pray than this. 
So find out what the Bible says about you and go thank God that he's doing that in you. It's that simple, guys. I know that. You, you get what I'm saying? Because here's the thing. It, after a while, if you can imagine all the lies that I believed, it's one big old wall. Right? Here's, the way, here's what I think when I pray, literally. I think there's big old walls, and as I'm speaking the word of God, I'm removing bricks off that wall. I'm moving it. And, and what happens is, is ultimately, if you can imagine that, somewhere along the lines, there's a mirror in there, and I get to see myself the way Jesus sees me. Yes. Right? That's freeing. Yes. So, so I, I, can, you know, I would pray this scripture, and I cannot tell you the joy that would come in my heart. And it was faith activating in my heart that, man, God, I believe that. And then what would happen is, is just like you, I'd go away from the prayer, call, prayer closet, and then those old thoughts would come back. And then I'd have to go back to the prayer closet and begin to create another pattern of thinking. It's called renewing the mind. Right? Right? It's what the Bible says in Romans 12 too. Do not conform me longer to the patterns where I will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? I am going to go there. Watch this. Sorry, y'all. This is totally off script here. So, listen. When, the Bible says this. We're going to get real practical here teaching. Okay? The Bible says this, that, that we, are a, we are a three-part being. Okay? Spirit, soul, in a body. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 to present yourself spirit, soul, and body before the Lord. Okay? So you're three parts. We're three parts because we're creating God's image and God's three parts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he created us in his image. Now watch this. When you got born again, the part of you that got born again was your spirit man. That's it. Your spirit got born again. Your soul didn't get... Your spirit's the part that came alive, that was regenerated, that, that, that awoken to God. And that's what God communes with. For we worship in spirit and in truth, right? And, and so what happens is, is what's our soul? Uh, basically, our soul is our mind, it's our will, and it's our emotion. If you can understand, that's what Jesus was struggling with when he was, when he was in the garden. Uh, basically, his soul didn't want to go through that. To understand that even at that point, that he knew what he was going to have to go through. He knew he was going to be rejected, but there was a difference when he had to feel it. All right? And then his emotions inside his soul didn't want to go through that. Are y'all tracking? And so our, our body is just simply our five senses. So watch this. So our spirit gets saved. Our body is just, that's the, that's the casing. It's the earth suit that, that the rest lives in. Okay? But what happened was is this, is now that... My spirit's got saved. Now i got to go work on my soul. And my soul's where I have wrong thinking. Okay, that's why i got to renew my mind. Because somewhere along the line, here's what's going to happen. My soul is either going to, going to follow my spirit or it's going to follow my flesh. And if I don't line that thing up with the word of God, then guess what? I'm going to continue to live out of the flesh. And I'm going to continue to live in a poverty mentality. Everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. What's that old song? I might as well go eat some worms or something like that, Right? And I'm in the moly groves. But once again, when I begin to renew my mind, change my soul, to align it with the word of God, guess what? Then that's really where I begin to have kingdom living. Amen. And we're not going to get there until we fix that. So, so that's, why, that's why I try to reiterate to us all the time. Read the Bible. Pray. Not, not Listen to me. we got to get out the spot where we just pray what our emotions think. That's miserable. Are y'all following? But that's where most of us pray. Ooh. Instead of going, God, your word says this. Right? And like I, to, like I told you guys the other day, th- there's, there's the facts and then there's the truth. The fact is, I feel like crap. The truth is, is Jesus has given me victory. 
right? And so I got to learn how to pray the Bible or guess what? Everybody look at me. Your situation will not change. It will not change, okay? God gave us, God gave us his word for a reason. It's our only, that, that thing's the only weapon we got, right? It's the only, it's the only sword we got, okay? And ain't gonna be, we, ain't gonna beat the, we aren't going to beat the devil any other way, okay? Am I helping y'all? So, but it basically boils down to this. It boils down to a choice that we all got to make. That, that we can believe either, we can believe whatever, or we can go, hey, the Christmas story, I'll bring it back here, that the Christmas story is a story of belonging. It's a story of acceptance. And so, Lord, I want to live there. Right? I thank you that you were rejected, so I don't have to be rejected. I thank you that you lived through poverty, so I don't have to live through poverty. Thank you that you bore my sickness, so I don't have to bore my sickness. Thank you that you bore my sin, so I don't have to. That's all covenant. It's all agreement. Understand that when we got saved, that the covenant basically means a binding agreement that everything that he had made available in heaven, he gave it to us. Everything, right? Because here's what so many Christians think. Well, he gave me salvation, and he, and he, and he, and he didn't give me all the rest. Well, he gave it to you all. He gave you the keys. And, and watch this. Some of you guys, you, you do this. Well, well, I mess up. Listen, we're talking about belonging to God. Understand this. I got, I got four kids. Some days they're all stars, some days they're duds, all right? <laughs> some days they do things that I'm just like, oh, Jesus, help me, please, right? I go, why did you just do that? But guess what? I don't abandon them at that point. They belong to me. I love them. Are you, are you with me? It's the same way with God. He does this with us sometimes, okay? But he doesn't leave us nor forsake us. Why? Because I, I love what Paul said. He said, basically, to whom I, the Lord whom I belong. I belong to God. Amen? Let's live like it. Yes? Amen. Can you stand to your feet? Worship team, go ahead and come back up. I, I want to end today. I just want to sing that last song that we were singing in worship. Let's uh, not run out of here. Let's worship to this last song, and then I, then I just want to pray, okay? If you can, don't, don't be a spectator at this moment. Let's worship Jesus. Father, I thank you today. God, we thank you today. God, we're the ones that you love, that we are the object of your love today. God, that you say to us today, God, that you're the one, uh, that we're the one that you adore today. Father, we thank you today, God, that you haven't rejected us, but God, you've chosen us. So, Lord, today, God, every lie of the enemy that would say that we are rejected, every lie of the enemy that say we're orphans, that we don't belong. Father, we ask even in this moment, God, that you begin to move through the, even the secret places of our heart. God, you begin to remove and expose and just clean out every lie today. And, Father, we pray today, God, in Jesus' name, God, that just your anointing would come. God, and begin to reinforce who you say that we are. God, reinforce who you say that we are today. Father, we thank you today for your love. We thank you for your care for us. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for a life change today.